Now, I asked you what the best part of working at Psychopath. What's the worst? What's the worst part about working at a bike shop? The least favorite. <laughs> Try to be honest. Um... Let's go! Welcome everybody to Biker Talk's third episode. Now you may notice on your screen that it is just me. There is no Sebastian today. Unfortunately, his car broke down on the way back from work and uh, he's unable to make it to today's podcast, but it's okay. We're going to keep going without him. The podcast might be a little shorter this time uh, without Sebastian, but it's all right. We'll keep going and uh, we have a pretty good guest today. So... Some of you guys might know the store, Psychopath Mississauga. Well, today we are joined with Nash from Psychopath. Welcome. Hey, everyone. Hello. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. So first question, for those who may not have heard of Psychopath, don't know what it is, what is Psychopath? So Cyclopath is Mississauga's, I'm pretty sure it's Mississauga's oldest bike shop, actually, uh, established in 1989. Uh, original owner still, actually, Brian Skazizzi, uh, and we're a family-run bike shop that we've been here for a very, very long time. And yeah, uh, 32 years, and we're a bike shop that uh, sells a handful of bikes, both road bikes, mountain bikes, hybrids, and we also do a lot of servicing as well. So anytime, if you have any bikes that need some servicing, whether it's a mountain bike from Canadian Tire or from Bike Zone, wherever the case may be, uh, we do a lot of servicing on any bikes. So how long have you been working for Cyclepath? So I started there in April of 2017, and I am currently still working there. However, now I'm no longer full-time. I actually got myself a job after I finished uh, university and also I finished uh, college. So after that, um, I am only working there on the Sundays. Uh, that being said, uh, I've been there. Yeah, so this will be my fifth year, fifth consecutive year, but I'm, I'm, I'm only part-time there. So I've, I, was, I was there for four years uh, full-time. So what do you do at Psychopath? What's your role? I am a sales associate, so I started off on the floor, uh, and during my time there, I ended up doing a lot of mechanic work as well uh, in my second and third year there. Um, but yeah, I was mostly just on the floor, uh, dealing with customers, handling, <laughs> handling the inventory, uh, taking in orders, expediting, expediting orders, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was just a sales associate. However, right now, I'm actually the most senior sales staff there, so I would technically assume the role of sales manager or or sales assistant manager um but that's just a self-titled role so i'm not going to actually give myself that role how many people work at psychopath how many people are part of the team that's a good question i actually have no idea uh let me do a little high count so we got brian his two sons but only one of them is working right now but we'll just give a total count so that's three myself doug ben uh, so that's the floor and then there's peter who's a head mechanic in the back uh alex who's a junior mechanic and steven who's also a junior mechanic so at least eight well nine right now and then uh brian's wife also helps around every now and then she's not an official staff though but nine official staff for sure though that's cool seems like a intimate team that you guys yeah, very have intimate super family like super family orientated very tight-knit team yeah i think people definitely like that what do you think sets like what makes psychopath so special what makes what sets it apart from all the other bike stores that's a 
good question as well um because every bike shop for the most part they're all the same in all honesty you go in you're looking for a bike people there know their bikes they know their stuff they're not like people on the internet that think they know stuff you know they're they're experts in the field so you go in and you look for a bike and you purchase a bike if you have questions they can answer your questions that's about it but what makes us different i would say is the fact that we're just so customer service orientated we've always been there to help customers and regardless of anything that they need whether it's a new bike some servicing even if they just want basic advice for just stuff that they want to know about the biking industry we're always there to help out and we also very service oriented in terms of the actual maintenance on bikes too. So from us, we provide you with two years of free service on your bike when you purchase it from us. And we also give a, a really good 30 day labor guarantee. If you get a tune up done, that's for, for, from a bike that was were worked on from us, but was actually not uh, bought from us though. So we're very service oriented, whether it's just customer relations or whether it's actually working on the bikes. Yeah. Customer service. That's a super important part. Yeah, man. So it's, um, it's good that you guys focus on that. Um, so what was it like the beginning of COVID, uh, your store had to shut down. Did you, were you guys worried for your store? Were you worried about the future? Yeah. Um, when we first started off, it was basically dead. Honestly, uh, we were wondering if we were even going to be able allowed to be open. Um, I know we were closed for a handful of days. However, we weren't actually considered essential once Ontario came out with the list of essential services. Uh, believe it or not, bike repair and bike repair shops are considered an essential service in Ontario. We were kind of wondering why, because it kind of didn't make sense to us. Uh, but apparently, a lot of people, they rely on bikes to get to and from to work, especially in downtown Toronto, where the cycling industry is huge there. So having... A bike shop that's able to work on somebody's bike that and they may be an essential service uh, in terms of in terms of their uh their work status and if their idea to get from point a to point b is on the bike well they're going to need the maintenance to get that done so uh, under that um that, that uh, explanation i guess Ontario said, you know, you know what, bike shops are considered essential so we were closed for four days and we were allowed to open back up again we were on tight, tight restrictions. Mm. It was not easy. It was um, like we had to make sure that anyone that came inside the store, we had. To, it was only one person per salesperson, uh, max of two people, depending on the situation. It was tough, man. It was really, really tough because we just didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to expect, you know. And then April and May came around, and that's. I'm not sure. I'm sure. I'm sure you noticed, and many of the other viewers may notice. The bike industry took off. Everyone's on a bike right now. I don't know if you've ever been to Cyclepath over the past year and a half. We have not had a single bike in stock for a long time. <laughs> our shelves are so empty and our bike racks are so empty right now. It's ridiculous. Um, even just on the, on the, actually just yesterday, I, was, I, was, I worked on the Sunday and it was five hours of just nonstop running around like an animal. It was ridiculous. Once we started to get the, the ball rolling, it turned out to be okay because we had a pretty good system set up for how we were going to deal with people. There's a lineup. People come in, salesperson helps them out. They want to buy a bike. They buy a bike, pick up some accessories, move on to the next person. And so it actually turned out to be pretty okay. But in the beginning, though, it was very, very difficult. But once we, once we were considered essential and we got everything else sorted out, the outcome just started looking pretty good because never in the history of the store have we ever sold out of every single bike in, in the actual inventory, um, which, which did happen by the end of June, I think it was. So, yeah, man, it was uh, crazy, absolutely crazy. And it still is. 
Well, it's good to hear you guys were only closed for four days because yeah. um, just even four days of losing out on customers, especially like how many would be, how many would normally be coming in and stuff like that. That's like huge on a business. So um, it sounds super lucky that you guys were uh, labeled an essential build business and was able to reopen. Uh, what would you have done or what was the store would have done if they weren't an essential service? What do you think? Where do you guys think you would be oh, right man. now? You're asking the dark questions now. <laughs> I have no idea. I really have no idea because the only thing that Brian's ever done, the manager of the store and the owner of the store, the only thing he's ever done really for the past 32 years is run a bike shop. And that's it. So, I mean, I'm sure he's had a backup plan or something like that, but honestly, it would have just had to be one of those situations where we'd close down um, and we'd close down for the lockdown until we were allowed to open back up again. Uh, maybe we could have done something like curbside only, uh, which we kind of did for a little bit, but that was kind of difficult, you know, but when you have three different salespersons working off of one storefront to work with three different customers and running back and forth to get the product to show them, hey, this is what it looks like, and then they can come in to pay, that didn't work out too well. So the curbside was really difficult. Uh, but I guess we could try and make it work for curbside, but it would have been an arduous task for sure. So, man, yeah, honestly, it probably just would have been closed down until we were allowed to open back up again. Luckily, we were considered essential, as you said, but yeah, probably would have closed down. Yeah, that definitely wouldn't be um, good. What type of brands does a psychopath carry? We carry uh, three main brands. We carry Norco, Rocky Mountain, and Specialized. Rocky Mountain represent. I I own uh, three of them actually, so I'm a huge Rocky Mountain fan. Uh, but in terms of uh, the bikes themselves, yeah, Norco Rocky Mountain Specialized, and we carry Haro for BMX, Fit Bike Co for BMX as well, um, and we also carry Evo, which is like a house brand from one of the companies that we deal with, and Genesis, which is kind of the same idea. It's like a house brand of another company that we deal with. But the three main for sure are Norco Rocky Mountain Specialized. So you seemed really excited about Rocky Mountain. What, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what makes uh, Rocky Mountain to you like the bike brand? Oh, man, I don't know. It's the name. I just like, uh, I like Canadian uh, brands as well. I love Rocky Mountain. I think it's a really cool name. And like, you know, you're making a good mountain bike when the, the, the testing field that you test your bikes on is literally the Rocky Mountains, like where mountain biking was born, you know? So there's, it's, it's just a cool name. And I've always loved how their bikes look. They've always made some really, really cool looking bikes, really good geometry, really good spec, really good value. And again, Canadian as well. So uh, that's why I'm a big fan of Rocky. On top of that, they also gave out um, some really good uh, uh, bike days where you can go in and uh, they actually have one at Kelso. Uh, actually, they've done a few at Kelso hmm. where you can go in for free and well, you got to pay at Kelso, but, to, but you can rent out a bike for a couple hours and you can test out one of the really high end models that costs like, you know, 8,000 bucks which is ridiculous for most people who are looking to buy yeah. a bike. So you can ride that for a couple hours, enjoy it. And if you really like that bike, well, then you know that that's, kind of, that's a bike that you want. And, and they did that all around the GTA and also a few other areas where mountain bikes are a bit bigger. Like um, I think they had one in the Don Valley in Toronto. And I think they also have one in the Hydro Cut. Could be wrong, but uh, they also do that all over in Europe as well because there's a few places in Europe that they're really popular. So having those... Uh, those bike days where you can just you know rent out a bike and enjoy a really really nice bike for just one day it's a really good way for them to not only increase their fan base but you know to get people more into the sport and maybe think about hey you know what maybe five thousand bucks is a bit out of my budget but what if but i could save up for it and i can buy myself a really nice bike because now i know what it's like to actually ride one of those so i think that's really really cool 
Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I've, I've seen the um, the Rocky Mountain stands a couple times at Kelso, and I've always thought that's a really great idea to be able to yeah. actually ride the bike. Because a lot of times when you go to a bike store, um, they let you ride around this street or the parking lot or whatever just to see if it fits well. But that's really not a great test. And it's not like you can just let people go and take your bikes and take them onto the trails. So it's the best you can do, but it's not a great test to see how well the bike can actually perform on the um, actual trails. So it's pretty cool sure. that they do that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I know for a fact that when I went for those bike days and I and I went about and uh, tried out one of their bikes, it was the Thunderbolt BC edition, I think it was, back in 2018, a couple of years ago. Uh, that bike's insane. Like, that is such a sweet trail bike. And, you know, it's just all things around, I thought, you know what, this might be the bike that I might end up buying. It's not the bike I ended up buying. I actually ended up buying the uh, the Instinct Carbon 50. I bought that uh, beginning of last year, and she's she stays in my uh, in my in my office here. She doesn't go in the garage because it's too expensive, and I don't <laughs> want that thing stolen. Um, but yeah, so but the Instinct the Instinct and the Thunderbolt back then were actually really similar. Or sorry, they weren't that similar, but the BC edition of the Thunderbolt was, was really similar. So this is actually close to start to the BC edition anyway. So yeah, it's a, it's a great bike. Only difference is that that's a 20 nanner. Always go 20 nanner. <laughs> what are what are the other two Rocky Mountains? You mentioned you had three. Yeah. Uh the other one was my first one I ever bought, which was back in 2017, my first year working at Cyclopath. Uh Rocky Mountain Soul 730. So that's their hardtail. Uh and that was kind of their top of the line trail hardtail at the time next to the growler of course um it was kind of in my budget it was like 1100 bucks and i thought you know what it's pretty good price back uh so i i ended up buying that and i upgraded the absolute living beans out of that thing the only thing stock on that is the frame <laughs> the fork the wheels and the brakes everything else is completely upgraded so you know that that's been a really good bike for me it's super it's super nice in terms of geometry for pretty much any riding in this area Maybe not so much in uh, the Hydrocut or, um, or like obviously Blue Mountain or anything like that. But uh, no, that bike was awesome. So it's a Soul 730, definitely a good bike. Also a great bike in general. The Soul lineup's great. So if anyone wants a really good trail hardtail, definitely look at the Soul. Um, and then the other one I have is actually probably older than you. Um, it's actually the Rocky Mountain Cardiac. And that is a steel um, old school bike I bought off Kijiji. Uh, 1997, I think it is, which is a year older, a year younger than I am. Um, uh, yeah, I'm 96. That was 97, and it's completely steel, purple. I use it indoors right now. Actually, just outside the door here, I hooked up to my trainer, so I train on you know, on the indoor trainer. Um, and that's kind of I I change out the tires and some of the spec on that bike to make it more suited for like your average urban riding, you know, like a hybrid style of bike. And all like my daily commuter to go to the gym and back that's nearby or something like that. So yeah, those are the three that I got: Instinct, Cardiac, and uh, Soul. That's cool. Yeah. So you've been working at Psychopath for a while. Yeah. What's your favorite part of working at a bike store? Hmm. The employee discount, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. There's two, just definitely two things for sure that I really like. One of them is the satisfaction of going to um just being able to work at the store have someone come into the store and buy a bike and then a week later come back and they come back to you and they say hey you changed my life 
that is such a good feeling. Like, like deep down, like, you know, that you help them with something really, really important in their lives, apparently. And, but you never would have thought of that. You, you just think you're by, you just sell them a bike. And that's about it. Right. Mm-hmm. But in, in reality, it's, you know, they have a new lifestyle. Just to give an example, last year, um, somebody was buying a bike. They wanted to spend 500 bucks max. Fortunately, the book, the standard price for uh, for a bike shop bike is about six fifty or so, roughly. So uh, he was humming and hawing a little bit on one of the bikes, and I thought, you know what? I'm like, you know what? You just got to lift it, see how light it is. Just sit on it, understand the position of the bike. You'll love it. I'm promise. I'm promising you right now. This is such a great bike. And he's like, I know it's a, it's a little bit out of my budget, but we'll see. He ends up. Uh, he actually ends up buying it that day, uh, and he comes back uh, a week and a half later, saying that his gearing is a little bit off, which is very common for any new bike. So if anyone's if anyone's listening to this, and uh, if you bought a new bike, and all of a sudden your gearing is not working so well after a week and a half or so, totally normal. Just go back to the bike shop you bought it at, and just get a quick adjustment done. Anyway, so he came back. We got it all changed up, and I asked him how's it how's it going, and he says I've already lost five pounds. I'm like what <laughs> he's he ended up riding every single day for 20 kilometers in the in the past week and a half of him buying that bike and he already was like a happier person and like that felt so good to me honestly like you can't mimic that feeling anywhere else so that was really great and he's a returning customer now he bought he bought us a he bought us a pack of donuts when we were really busy one day during the summer so that was really nice as well uh so yeah so just that really good customer that is really uh that's really appreciative of the work that you do for them. Uh, that feeling is really great. So I love working at a bike shop for that. And the other thing I like at working at Cyclopath would be, uh, just the, as you mentioned earlier, it's a really tight-knit team. All of us are really good friends. We love poking fun at each other. We all work really hard. It's just a really good team. Uh, Brian's a great manager. He made working there a lot of fun. He was really uh, accommodating for me during my studies as well. During the school time, if I ever had to take some time off for work, uh, for excuse me, uh, for like studying for exams, he took care of that. So overall, just the team was really good. And, and you know what? People complain about, you know, I got a really bad manager. I got a really bad coworker. I can't say I've ever had a bad manager or a bad coworker because that just everyone there working there is just so awesome. Yeah, that sounds really cool. You don't, like you said, you don't really think about that. Uh, like I would just think, oh, I'm just selling a bike to a person, but the way that bikes end up actually impacting people is pretty amazing. You don't really think about it that much. Yep. Yeah, for sure, man. It's uh it's it's a good feeling. It really is a good feeling. And I'd recommend anybody who's really into bikes, if one day in your in your life you get a chance to like volunteer or work at a bike shop, do it. It's it's a great feeling. It really is. You learn so much about bikes and bike mechanic work and all that fun stuff. So it's 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 a lot of reward for sure if you work at a bike shop and you really like bikes. What's the biggest lesson you've learned working at Psychopath? Uh, biggest lesson is make mistakes. Uh, when you make mistakes, you learn from them. And the, whether that's Brian and his crazy rules that you have to follow when you work there, making sure you do this and that. When you put the money in the cash register, it has to face an exact way. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you make mistakes and you learn from them. So not only that, but also in terms of mechanics, because... I thought I knew a pretty good amount of bike mechanic work before working there. I knew nothing. <laughs> I knew literally nothing compared to what I learned after even just a year and a half of working there. The amount of um, the amount of mistakes I made just working on a bike to like fix a flat tire, even 
Like it's a simple process, and I've done that before before working there. But I didn't realize that when you take off a back wheel on a bike and you put it back on, you have to go through the gears again because the especially on a top speed drivetrain, it's so millimetric. It's like 1.2 mils, and if it's off by 0.2 of a mil, your gearing's garbage. So when you take off your back wheel and you put it back on, you have to re-index your gears or at least go through a run through of them to make sure that it's working properly. So uh, just make mistakes when learning how to maintain a bike. And all of a sudden now you can, you're basically a, I'm basically a home mechanic and I work on my own bikes. Anything too crazy, like a full brake bleed or suspension service or like bearing service that'll probably go to the shop for, but you know, basic gear adjustments, a basic brake burp, clean down, uh, a chain cleaning, anything like that. That's and that's something anybody can do. You don't need to be a bike technician to do that. Uh, but you know, it's about making mistakes and I'm learning from them for sure. Now I asked you what the best part of working at Psychopath. What's the worst? What's the worst part about working at a bike shop? The least favorite. <laughs> Try to be honest. Um, some. Uh, I mean, you know what? This will go for any customer service job whether it's retail, well, any retail job, it's some customers are just not great. You get abused a little bit. You really do. And, you know, customers always right. And you can't say no to them. So sometimes I've had my fair share. I'm not going to go into the detail of that because I probably shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but I've had my fair share of customers that just were just bad words. That's all I can say. <laughs> you can't you know? go into any detail? Oh, a man. little bit I, of a I story? Re I really shouldn't. I really, really shouldn't. I really shouldn't. <laughs> Um, all I can say is like, if like, especially when the customer knows they're wrong, but they don't want to admit it. Like I'll, I'll, I'll give a generic <laughs> situation that had, did happen to me. Customer is wrong. Thought he was right. I proved to him he's wrong. Didn't want to admit that he's wrong and continually went on to blame me for, for, for doing the work wrong on his bike. When he knows he's wrong, but he didn't want to admit it. He just had too much self pride to say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. I did something. I, I did something wrong here. I'm like, so it's like, it's whatever. So at the end of the day, what do you do? Well, he gets a free $10 adjustment and he's a happy person after that, right? For me, I have to deal with a lot of, you know, people coming up to me and saying that kind of mean things to me, saying I purposely messed up their bike so I can get more money off them, which is not the case. That's not what we do at Psychopath. We fix the bike to the spec that's required and that's it. We don't mess around with anything else to get more money off you because that's, that's a scum move and Brian is not like that. So... You know, you got to deal with that. It's, I mean, any retail job, if I'm, if you worked retail, I'm sure you'd know. You know, it's you. Sometimes you just get bad customers, so that's definitely the worst part. I would say. What would you say is the best way to deal if you have a bad customer come into your store? What's the best approach? Just stay calm. There's no reason to yeah start yelling at each other. You know, it really there's really no reason to start yelling. Just stay calm. Just, if they want to talk badly to you, if they really want to you know, say all these crazy things, raise your voice a little bit. Best thing to do is just stand there, put your hands behind your back and start smiling at them and just let them, let them vent it out. Cause once they, once they vent it out, generally they'll start to kind of calm down and realize, okay, hang on. This guy's not really taking, this guy's not getting mad. I don't know why I'm yelling anymore. And then you could usually have a civil conversation after that. So yeah. And this goes for anything in retail, not even just a bike shop. Just if you got a bad customer, calm, Hands behind your back, smile, take it in, and that's about it. So there's no absolutely no reason to start yelling back at them. There's really no reason. I have done it once, though. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I have done it once, but that wasn't because of me. 
Now, this is a story I can tell because this issue wasn't because of me. This was an issue between two customers in line. So back in the pandemic last year, um, it was a bad situation where we had a huge line. And in case if anyone doesn't know how busy it is at any bike shop, we Cyclopath Mississauga, for the most part, had about a 15 to 20 person lineup every day we were open uh, from open to close uh, uh, throughout the entire summer. It was from before we even opened the store, there was a big lineup and we'd have to get through that. And that line didn't stop until probably around 4.30. Like it's just balls to the wall. Everyone hustling back and forth. It's crazy. Anyway, so it was a really hot day. I was working on a kid's bike uh, with his mom beside me. I was doing a quick adjustment for him. And there was, uh, there was these two guys that were next up in line. They weren't talking to each other at the time. I had to get a different tool. I go back inside the store, I grab a tool. I come back. By the time I come, uh, by the time I come out, these two guys are screaming at each other. I'm, I'm like, what the hell is going on? I was gone for 10 seconds. What the hell happened? And what ended up happening was uh, they had a bit of an argument over something that one guy did. I, I don't know exactly what happened, but they had a big argument. And they started you know, saying some not so great language at each other either. Right. While I'm trying to fix a kid's bike, when when he's standing beside his mother, I'm like, this is not, no, you can't do this. Be respectful to each other, man. So I looked at both of them and I gave them a pretty good stern talking to, like like an angry father. And I said, if you guys don't want to start to talk nicely to each other and you guys don't want to calm down and stay in line quietly, then you guys can leave. And if you guys don't do that, I'll make sure that no one here serves you because I'm not gonna. To- I'm not gonna tolerate this kind of behavior. I'm trying to fix a child's bike here, and I said that pretty. I don't want to say it's like I yelled at them, but it was definitely a raised voice. And everyone in line, <laughs> they heard, and everyone kind of shushed down a little bit. <laughs> so that was a very intense situation. But uh, yeah, that wasn't directed at me. That was just I wanted to make sure that nothing happened between them, especially not in front of the storefront, in front of a child and everybody else, you know. So, but yeah, that was a crazy situation. Nobody yeah. was really happy during the pandemic. I'll say that for sure. Yeah, I know. That's for sure. But it seemed like you handled that um, pretty well or as yeah. well as you could have. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, what are some long-term goals for the store? Does the Ooh, store have any? That's actually a good, really good question because I have, I don't know. I actually have no idea. Um, I mean, like I said, Brian's been there for 30 plus years now, so... I mean, I'm sure he's looking at possible retirement in the next foreseeable future. I, I have no idea when. Don't say I'm, I'm don't think he's, the store's not going to be the next year. So that's, that's not going to be the case because I know he resigned the the rent piece. So it's going to be the next year for sure. Um, but in terms of actual goal, though, I have no idea. Well, I guess for sure is we want to make sure we get our stock back because we have no bikes. So that'd be nice. Uh, but that's not much of a goal for us. That's just we're waiting for the shipping companies to actually ship the damn bikes towards us. Um, no, honestly, no actual shop goals that I know of. Just be happy, fix a lot of bikes, make some good money for the shop, and, and keep uh, the second community afloat in Mississauga for sure. That's, that's the only thing I can think of, really. Uh, what do you think of how the um, bike brands have responded to the massive amount of uh, demand for their bikes they're like out of bikes they're struggling to make them um what do you think about their response do you think they could have done stuff better or do you think they're doing the best they can what are your thoughts on that i think they're doing the best they can because the thing is with us is we ended up having our off season 
just on the past few months so, during the winter time, which is fine for us. So that's our off season. We get to recalibrate ourselves and get everything all ready for the next year. But on the other side of the world, like in Australia and such, that's when their season of biking starts. Uh, so a lot of the bike brands that got destroyed with their stock levels from us going crazy in North America and the Eastern side, well, when they got decimated, well, then people in the Western world, when it was time for them, they got nothing either. So when you have that much of demand, both on the East and the West side, and when there was no supply available for the West side, probably, um, they kind of had to prioritize them a little bit. So that's probably one of the reasons why we're not getting too many bikes in right now. So I think they're doing the best they can. The mani- they can't just manufacture more bikes. It's not as simple as just getting more metal and manufacturing more bikes. You can't do that. Because you have to make sure that you have enough bikes to sell for the next upcoming years because it's a business. You've got to think long-term, not just short-term. So, yeah, best they can. The real issue is not actually the bike manufacturers or the bike brands. It's actually the shipping and the international shipping because all the bikes are all the bike frames are made offshore. Nothing's really made in North America anymore. Specialized frames aren't made in America anymore. They're all made in Cambodia, Taiwan, Vietnam, blah, blah, blah. Um, so the frames are made there, but they get packaged up, and then the bikes get assembled in the store because they come in a box. Um, so, but the transport between Vietnam to Canada, I think that's the issue. So it's just they need to find a way to get the shipping better, and that's not on the bike brand because they don't deal with shipping; they just hire a shipping company. So it's more so the shipping companies need to get their act together and start shipping a little bit more efficiently and whatnot. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, it really is because we got a lot of people looking for bikes and we got none available. Yeah, I know. Finding a bike right now is like crazy, and the and the used bike market has just like flown up. You can get like two year old bikes that have been heavily used for the original MSRP that they <laughs> they sold for. Yeah, and it's yep. just insane how like man, it's, it's not unfortunate. A, it's unfortunate because yeah. we've had people come into the store and they uh, and they and they look at us and be like, "Hey, is this a good bike?" And they, and they show us on the phone, I'm like, "Yeah, it's a great bike." And I'm like, "I hope you don't pay for that much." They're like, "Why?" Because that bike is not worth that much, especially after it's been used for a little while, especially if, like it's three or four years, as you said. Like, you shouldn't be paying anywhere near MSRP for uh, for a used bike. But people want a bike and they'll they'll pay for it. And people, unfortunately, will you know, fall victim to price gouging, which is something awful. I, I can't stand people who price gouge. I'm also in the PC market, build my own PCs and such. And I'm, sh- I don't know if you're one of those guys, but the, you can't find a graphics card anywhere. <laughs> it's all sold out yeah. and people are price gouging like crazy on graphics cards. So, yeah, you know, I, I hate, I hate price gougers. I hate them with a passion, but unfortunately they exist. <laughs> Cause you know, if there's a high demand, why can't you add a couple of 50 bucks? You know, you can't, it's, it sucks, but yeah, if anyone who's looking to buy used, definitely check up with the bike shop or anything like that and saying, hey, is this a good value for the bike? And then if you, you know, you might want to spend a little bit more so that way you can get the bike, but you don't want to spend too much either. So it's a fine line between the two. Yeah. How did you get into mountain biking? Uh, Cyclopath, Mr. Sog. <laughs> uh, I was a roadie before I started off. Uh, I actually bought my first road bike from Cyclopath Mitsusaga before I even started working there. So I bought my first bike there as a road bike. I was a Norco Valence, and I got into road cycling. And I road cycled for about, uh, I would say, about a year and a bit. And I thought, you know what? 
you know, I like bikes. I kind of, I've worked on them for a little while. Maybe I can get a job there. So I applied. I ended up getting the job the year, uh, a year later of me buying that bike. And uh, everyone there mountain bikes. <laughs> and they all said, you got to try mountain biking. You got to try mountain biking. All right, all right, fine. So I saved up some money and bought myself the Rocky Mountain Soul 730 and went mountain biking and fell in love with it. Not that I don't like road cycling, but mountain biking is so much more fun in every way possible. It's so yeah. much fun. So um, that's the nice thing about uh, about mountain biking is that, you know, especially with, uh, I'm going to sound mean here, but road cyclists are snobs. <laughs> They're not exactly the most happy people in the world unless you're in their little group of coffee, you know, whatever. They're, that's them. Uh, obviously, you know, you'll find people that are really nice, like me. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's... Mountain bikers, when you're on, out on the trails, you know, every mountain biker that passes by, if you stopped and you're off your bike and you're checking something, a mountain biker is going to stop and say, hey, is everything okay? And yeah. then if everything's fine, then they'll continue on. If not, they'll try and help you out a little bit. Roadies, they don't do that, man. <laughs> they don't do that kind of crap. So, you know, the culture and just, you know, the actual riding of a mountain bike is just so much more fun. So that's definitely how I got into mountain biking. Cyclopath Mississauga, all the boys there, they said, you got to try mountain biking. And I'm very happy I did. Yeah, I know for sure. The community of mountain bike, mountain bikers is like, it constantly surprises me every time I go riding, how nice they are. And they all kind of support each other and they're all there to have a good time and ride. And it's, it's really good to see. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Like there's been a few times where I've, you know, actually gotten help from other people on the trails because i either forgot my multi-tool at home or something like that and just happened mm-hmm. to have one there so you know and i've always given my multi-tool to anybody who ever needed it so and also me because i work at a bike shop and i know a little bit more about you know bike mechanics and maybe the average mountain biker i've actually helped out a few people with you know some basic gear adjustments on the trails before so and that kind of that kind of support and that kind of uh that kind of help you know it, it'll carry on in the future if you know they they might end up helping somebody with some new knowledge that they learned from me so mm-hmm. you know it's, it's a good community for sure for sure what's your favorite place to ride and what are some of the places you ride your bike mm. so i've only ridden there once but it's easily my favorite it's the hydro cut in mcgrin waterloo it's probably the best trail system around in this area for sure because especially considering it's freaking free I can't believe that, you know, you can ride those trails for free. It makes no sense to me. So I actually, this year I'm going to be donating and, uh, I'm actually going to be buying a couple of those, uh, of the, of the hydrocut trail tracks, those little chain things. So I'm going to buy yeah. a couple of those for sure. Cause, uh, you know, you, you got to support the local community for, that make the, that make the trails there. Cause those trails are genuinely unreal. They're so awesome. Uh, but I don't get, I've only gone there once and that was last year, this year, uh, I'm planning on definitely going a handful of, of more times. Uh, but my go-to spot, though, for sure, is Kelso and Milton. Um, I've actually got the uh, uh, the membership pass there. So just scan the card and away you go. You have to make a reservation right now because of the pandemic. But either way, yeah, uh, that's my go-to for sure because it's not too far of a drive. And they got some really nice trails there. Uh, also, a couple of decently fun downhill trails not really like downhill downhill but you know yeah. some, uh, some pretty decent ones though so i definitely well i definitely like kelso um that being said arendelle park in in mississauga 
just for local riding, just to get like a quick boot around and do like a quick lap of DH lap on Strava and then head over to UTM, which is where I studied actually, um, and do the UTM nature trail there and do that a couple of times and head back home. That's, and for obviously again for free, that's a great ride too, man. I really like riding that area for sure because it's a beautiful area, some small fun trails you can loop around and do and do a couple laps of and, you know, trying to find your best time, you know, and try and fight the KOM, <laughs> even though I don't really have a KOM yet. Um, but yeah, so definitely Kelso's my top one, but then I'm planning to go to Hydrocut a little bit more often this year. Uh, but local riding, you know, the Mississauga trails here at, uh, at Arendelle are definitely, are definitely really, really fun. Yeah, Hydrocut is definitely um, one of the top places in Ontario, as well as Kelso. Have yeah. you ever been to Blue Mountain? I've never been to Blue Mountain. Uh, I really want to go, though. Uh, especially considering now that I've got, you know, a full suspension and I've got the travel for it. Definitely couldn't do that on the, on the hard tail. <laughs> uh, and I know you can rent out bikes, but I never thought, I never really wanted to rent out a bike. I want to ride my bike, you know, I want to enjoy my bike down those trails. So, uh, yeah, I really think, uh, I want to go to Blue Mountain this year if they open up, fingers crossed. Oh, I, I hope they do, but, uh, we'll see. Well, I have, uh, some, I have to be the bearer of bad news here. No. With Blue Mountain, uh, they're, downhill lift access is closed forever forever they're, yeah they're not oh, um no. they're not offering that anymore i was my follow-up question to that was going to be how you feel about that if you knew about it and um well now well, that you do how do you feel <laughs> about that not great not great i really wanted to go um are the trails closed do you know or is it just a lift access Oh, we don't know yet there's rumors I'll, I'll climb that hill man i'll i'll do that yeah. i'll do that hill to get down yeah so there's some rumors that it could be sort of an enduro thing where you have to climb up to use the okay. the downhill trails might still be open, but that's currently just a rumor. We don't really know, mm-hmm. um, but we'll just see it. It yeah, I don't know. It's unfortunate. It really is. I guess that's going to end up being a, a situation where you probably have to end up going to Horseshoe instead because that's also one of the spots I've been meaning to go. Yeah, have you been to Horseshoe yet? I've never been. Yeah. Uh, I've never. I've never been to an actual downhill section, uh, or like a downhill trail system. And I've never been to one yet. I've only done like uh, enduro style, right? Mm. For like in Kelso, where you go from the bottom, you climb all the way up, and go all the way back down again. Um, I know there's a. I, I used to only park at the top parking lot at Kelso because I hated climbing. Uh, yeah. But I made a vow to myself that no matter what, I have to do that climb at least once at uh, at Kelso. Most I've ever done it is three times, and that was very difficult <laughs> not yeah. to say i don't not to say i'm not a strong climber uh but i definitely prefer going downhill yeah they um the two park climbs and those in the summer with the blazing heat is just yeah i don't know it makes you kind of almost not want to do the downhill part but yep. you have to it's, no. it's, it's the trade-off you have to make exactly exactly for sure man you guys have any um new bikes coming into psychopath anytime soon Nothing that's uh, nothing that's actually been listed that uh, we know of, at least. Um, we've been told May. <laughs> yeah. We might have to go the entire month of April without getting a single new bike. Oh man, that that yeah. sounds rough, especially because now we just started spring, yep. so um, that demand is just gonna get even worse. Yep, we sold uh, we sold our last uh, like average adult bike at cyclopath um uh on saturday 
the only bikes we have left uh, in Psychopath right now are kids' bikes. And we have a specialized Como, which is a, a comfort e-bike that's, that goes for 4Gs. We've got a, a gravel bike from Norco, Norco Search, that's 2Gs. And we got an entry-level road bike from Specialized, uh, Specialized Adelaide for 1100 And those are the only bikes we have for adults in the store right now. That's it. Not a single other one. <laughs> So it's just going to be a lot of tune-ups and a lot of servicing. That's the only way we're getting any income at the moment. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you because I seem to like asking it to our guests. Um, Shimano or SRAM, which one's better? (laughs) This is an easy one for me. Uh, It is Shimano all the way. And, And I will... Not that I don't like SRAM. It's... It's just... When it comes down to the mid-level group sets, there's no reason to get SRAM. It's it's all Shimano for me. Reason being is because Shimano's just are so much easier to work on. Um, I've always found that Shimano systems have just been uh, really quick in terms of adjustments and such. Versus SRAM, where it's so precise, where every now and then, if something's just slightly off, your your shifting's just garbage. Um, that being said, I know a lot of people, especially in the mountain biking industry, they love to mix and match a little bit, where they prefer a SRAM drivetrain, but Shimano brakes. So, which is also something that I would prefer. If if I, if I ever were to use SRAM, I would never use SRAM brakes. I don't want to use dot fluid. I don't want to use any of that crap. I want to use mineral oil because it's really easy to work on. It's really easy to bleed, and it's really easy to burp and maintain if you ever need to. Versus dot fluid, where it's just—I've seen Peter do it in the back of the store, in the in the in the shop area, and it's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> He's so stressed out every single time he does that, and it seems horrible. But anytime you do a Shimano system, it's like that, and you're done. You know, so I will definitely go Shimano all the way. Not to mention, I just think their group sets just look a little cooler. But that's just me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard too many people say Shimano's look better than Ceram's. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't. That's just me, I guess. But if you ask anybody in the store, yeah, that's true. Any, if you ask anyone in the store, Ceram or Shimano, literally everyone's going to say Shimano. Mm. Uh, and not because of aesthetic, just because on a practicality sense to actually yeah. maintain them. Like it, they're just easier to work on. It's a, like once they're once they're set, they just work. I'm sure SRAM does that too. But for for me, in my experience, the only good SRAM products I've had are like the really high end ones that I've tried out on like those Rocky mm-hmm. Mountain uh, demo days, um, which had you know those really high end SRAM products, and they worked mm-hmm. fine. Like I don't mind them whatsoever. But you got to spend a pretty penny to get to that level. Versus Shimano, especially with the new Dior lineup, uh, or the new Dior One by Twelve, that's a bulletproof drivetrain, and that will work. No problem at all. It is so much better than SRAM SX and NX. Yeah. It's it's crazy. So you know, just because of that price to performance ratio, you can't go wrong with Shimano for the Shimano Dior One by Twelve. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Especially yeah, because I I've never liked the SX stuff, and like, just if you have an option between Dior or SX, like it just doesn't even seem like a fair competition at all. SX is like plastic, whereas Dior is just like a pretty solid. Solid low end, um, or not? I guess it's not even low. I guess no, mountain biking low end. Yeah, mountain biking low end, but but it's yeah. like in terms of group, in terms of group sets, it's you can get mm-hmm. really good performance out of a Dior drivetrain. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, final question: Fox versus Rockshock. No preference. Uh, genuinely, no preference. Uh, that really? being said, my suspension has um, 
Uh, it's got a Fox. It's got a Fox 36 Performance Elite. Elite? Or just Performance? Just Performance, rather. Um, in the front, and the back is a Float DPS Evol. Um, also Performance. Great. Great suspension. Love it. Uh, however, uh, I have ridden a bike that has Rock Shocks, and that feels really nice as well. So, in my opinion, when it comes to suspension, at least, getting any suspension that's that's like mid to high level between Fox and Rockshox is a no is is literally just whatever comes on the bike, or if you do have your pro, your own personal preference. Personally, I think like any mid to high level on either Fox or Rockshox are they both perform really well, and uh, you'll get some really good ride quality out of both of them. However. I would stay away from anything of the RockShox, Judy, and below. Um, mm. Because they're, not to say that they're not good, but in all honesty, you can probably find a better fork from like a Fox 30, like a basic Fox 34, in my opinion, is way better than anything that's a RockShox, Judy. Um, and in all honesty, you can probably even find a better Suntour fork than a RockShox, Judy. Yeah. Um, so my Soul 730 has a uh, Suntour Radon. And if you ha- if someone hasn't ridden a Suntour Radon with 34 mil stanchions, that is a very good suspension fork. And and uh, almost everybody at the store actually um, prefers my my Suntour Radon over a RockShox Judy because it just mm-hmm. it feels a little bit more plush um, and has a little bit more support. The Judy just feels really flimsy because the suspension stanchions are just like thin super thin and really flimsy. They don't feel stiff enough versus the radon with the 34 mil stanchions. Super stiff because because it's fatter stanchions. So yeah, if somebody has a preference, stick with that preference, totally fine. But when it comes down to the low end stuff, I'd say stay away from RockShox, go for a higher end Suntour, mid to high level, pick whatever the hell you want. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's interesting that you say that about SR Suntour because it's like a hugely hated um brand within the mountain bike community for having like cheap coil forks oh i hate the bike because it has an sr suntour so bad so um like what do you you seem to um like sr suntours Mm -hmm. quite a bit so i don't like their obviously their entry level forks you know the xct Mm -hmm. xcm those are practically hybrid forks that you have on you can find on some (laughs) hybrid bikes so they're not real suspension forks for mountain biking but when you go up to the level of like radon and above uh radon apixon um oron i think then axon i I forget the the whole lineup but when you get to that level you can get some really good performance for the value honestly speaking like they're actually not bad like there's some pro mountain bikers that rides that rides under suspension uh and and they're sponsored by suntour so, you know, it just goes to show you that it's not always about, you know, because they make so, so many really low-end crappy forks, it doesn't mean that they're a bad company. It just means that that's kind of their market clientele. They kind of dominate that entry-level basic coil suspension fork. But a mid-level fork like the Radon that I have or an Epixon or something like that, those forks will do you pretty damn good for, you know, some entry-level basic trail riding or some basic cross-country riding or something like that. And they're really high and stuff. They even make a like an enduro fork. I'm sure that will do just fine as well. At that point, would you want to kind of upgrade to a Fox instead or Rockshox? You know, maybe like a Rockshox Pike would be fantastic. Obviously, the Pike's a super nice, uh, super nice uh, fork. It's just been the tried and true fork for a very, very long time. So you know, it, it depends really. 
So that's why I said, you know, for like that, that uh, entry to mid level, I'd say Suntour. If you can find a radon, honestly, that's great. And then above that, I would say, you know, probably stick to a Rockdrox or a Fox, just because of the serviceability. You can get them serviced a little bit easier as well. So you know, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Well, it was uh, really nice talking to you today. Yeah, nice talking to you as well. I think we're gonna start to wrap it up. So thank you Sounds so good. much, Nash, for coming on from Psychopath Mississauga. We'll leave a link to their website down below so you can go check them out and uh well maybe not check them out now maybe may <laughs> when they get the bikes in maybe in, maybe in may yeah for sure but you can still get your bike service there and yep. they probably have some other accessories and stuff in stock that you can get so um thank you guys so much for watching we hope you enjoyed leave a like if you enjoyed subscribe uh make sure to join our discord which will be in the link in the description as well so thank you guys, and we will see you guys next time. See thank ya. You. See ya. Take care.